Today on See Here Love, it's all about making space for fun, for self-care, for making good and right decisions, and for making space for a more well, robust and honest relationship with God. Join host Melinda and four phenomenal women as they discuss these important topics that will be life-transforming. That's coming up. Welcome to See Here Love, and I'm so glad you're with us today as we listen and learn about making space with some phenomenal women guests. And yes, we're making space in our lives for having fun with Annie F. Downs. Even when life is hard and exhausting and sad, it's time to start a hobby, chase after fun and love. For soul care with Joe Saxton as you lead and work and live out each day. For making life decisions with Emily P. Freeman. Decisions big or small, even when we're faced with chronic hesitation or decision fatigue. And finally, making space for God with Alyssa Esperaz. An intentional choosing of him and a relationship with him woven into our decisions and life. So yes, today we're making space for good and important things in our lives. That's what this show is all about, making space. And who better to kick off this show and talk to us about making space for fun than the oh-so-fun Annie F. Downs. Annie is a multiple best-selling author, nationally known speaker, and podcast host of That Sounds Fun, based in Nashville, Tennessee. Flawed but funny, Annie uses her words to highlight the everyday goodness of a real and present God. And we're also joined by Julie Pickett, a super fan of Annie's, who is asking Annie questions from our See Here Love viewers and listeners. So much fun. So get ready for a great show, and let's begin with Making Space for Fun with Annie F. Downs. Well, welcome Annie F. Downs to See Here Love. It's great to have you here from Nashville. That's right. All the way down from Nashville. I'm so glad to see you, Melinda. Thank you for having me on today. This is going to be fun. It really is going to be. Yes. Now, promise. Annie, yeah, promise. Annie, I'm, you know, this show is about making space. And in a season and year like this, making space for fun sounds completely like, are you kidding me? Seriously, I've got all these other stresses and issues. But I think it's important. You think it's important. Why should we make space for fun in our lives today? I actually think it's incredibly important. I mean, that's why I wrote That Sounds Fun book is that is I think it is something we need to be talking about more than we are. Uh, one thing I've noticed through 2020 and into 2021 is that a lot of people are exhausted and, and we need something to inject joy. Mm -hmm. And we're waiting, what's probably true, Melinda, it's true about me, is we're waiting for everyone else to inject joy into our lives or for the world to go back to normal so that it will inject the joy that we're missing out on. And I would actually say that one of the disciplines we need to add to our own lives is to find fun for ourselves. It is no one else's job to give us fun. It is our job to go after it. That's good. You know, Annie, all throughout my life, it's interesting, as a follower of Jesus, I was always, people always made really bad comments about me always wanting to have fun as a Christian. It, 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 was, a, it was a strange thing, because I was always like the party girl, the wooer and strength finders, fun, fun, boas, as you see here. And it seemed like within the church or sort of that Christian culture, back when I was growing up, it was always kind of looked down on like, Mal, you got to like tone it down. So I'm so grateful for this fun. 
you know, like, cause I always thought there was something wrong with me because I was this Christian and I was crazy and fun, but it seems like it's okay. It's good. Oh, it's more than okay. And I mean, we don't even have the time to talk about, <laughs> you know, the growing up experiences of women being told that they needed to settle down to be a good Christian. Cause I don't, we don't even have enough time for that. But <laughs> next show, me, next show. Yeah. Yeah. Next show. Let's <laughs> talk about that because a lot of times we've misidentified fun as, as escapism and said like, well, yes, the people are having fun. And they're, and what they told us in high school was don't get drunk and don't sleep around and don't do, don't have that kind of fun. Well, I think it's time that we, we, redefine that word and reclaim it because yes. that is escapism. That's escapism. That is not fun. There is genuine fun to be had in our everyday life and the life that you already have, whether you're a mom who's staying at home with your kids or a working woman outside of the home who's been home for a year or every other version of what women are right now, there, there is a, a way for you to find out the fun that God has for you uniquely based on who you are. Beautiful. I wish you'd said that to me. I heard about this when I was growing up and yeah, definitely another show. So here we are. I'm all about the fun, Annie. So people are probably asking, well, how do I start? And you say fun Mm -hmm. usually is right where you are. So how do you make space to then go, okay, I got it. I I definitely need fun in my life. This year has been horrible. How do you start to be intentional about like, okay, yeah. I'm going to choose fun. Well, what I love about your show is you're teaching us how to make space for a lot of different things. And I am a person who absolutely leans on my calendar to make space for what matters most to me. The reason we're getting to talk today is because you matter to me and it is on my calendar, oh. right? So yeah. what I do with fun and especially people who are starting to have fun that it's not part of their everyday lives, put it on your calendar. Literally put it on your calendar, do a 30 minute block once a week, even just on a midday Saturday and say to yourself, okay, in this window, I'm going to have fun. I'm going to have fun. And let let me tell you what that does Mel. Is it for starter every day between that fun on your calendar and now every day in the middle, you're thinking about it. What do I do for fun? What do I, how am I going to fill 30 minutes with fun? Right? So you're thinking what am I even going to do in that window of time? And then that window of time gets here and you practice your fun. You have a little bit of fun. And then you reflect the day after the afternoon after and go, well, that was kind of fun, but it'd have been more fun if someone else was with me or it'd have been more fun if the recipe would have been a little different than I tried, or it'd have been more fun if that puzzle would have been of Mr. Rogers instead of a bunch of flowers that I couldn't get together. And, and you refine your fun. And so that the next that. week when it, I mean, I'm a big believer in Sabbath as well. And I know y'all mm-hmm. talked about that. I'm a big believer in like making space to rest. And the yeah. only way you do that is you put it on your calendar and you plan for it. And I think fun needs to have the same kind of intention because when you start asking yourself what sounds fun to you and you keep saying, why, why, why is that fun to me? You're going to drill down into some really special parts of who you are. I love that. Hey, it's Chris, friend of See, Here Love with Melinda. Sorry to interrupt this conversation, but I just had to let you know that the only way that See, Here Love gets to produce fun and authentic conversations like this one is through your financial donations. So go to seeherelove.com and click on the big donate button. Thanks for your support. Let's get back to the show. 
You know, Annie, my final thought about sort of this making space for fun, I just, I want you to speak into just the connection of fun and following Jesus, because I think for sometimes that has not been together. It's been actually sort of like divorced from one another. One of the best parts about that we know about Jesus, everything about Jesus is the best, but one of the best things we know about Jesus is that if we are made in God's image, in, in Jesus is all of our personality traits too, because he's all of it, right? Like we're all made in God's image. And what we see in between the lines of scripture, now scripture is all true and I'm not adding to scripture, but when we listen to stories about Jesus, stories like in John, where Jesus turned the water into wine, it says Mary was at a wedding and Jesus and his disciples were invited to. What that means is people liked being around Jesus and his disciples. They were fun to be around. And you see this over and over in the gospels. He was invited to tons of dinner parties. How many stories do we have of things happening at dinner parties? And kids loved him. Kids absolutely loved him. Every time we turn around in scripture, the disciples are asking kids to get away. And Jesus is saying, no, let him come hang out with me. Jesus loved kids. Jesus loved parties. And Jesus loved dinner with friends. That guy's fun. He's fun. And we just haven't taught that part of his personality because it hasn't been the driving narrative of what the gospel writers were talking about, but it's in him. And so to me, I think, hey, you want to be like Jesus? Have a dinner party and invite some people who aren't like you. You want to be like Jesus? Hang out with some kids and watch how they do life. Annie, thank you so much. I mean, okay, so next time you come to Canada, when it's all open, you're coming to a dinner I'm dying to. with my girlfriends. Wear your boa. Yes. Wear the boa, yes. right? Tierra, whatever you I need mean, to. I mean, this sounds incredible. I'm dying to get up there. As soon as the world opens back up, you and I are making a plan. Absolutely. Now, this conversation continues, Annie, because I've got super fan Julie Pickett. I mean, she seriously, super fan, who collected questions from our See Here Love viewers and listeners across Canada. And there were a lot, Annie. You are loved here in Canada because women were sending in questions about your latest book and all about fun. So now, Julie, to you. Hi, Annie. It is Hi, so Julie. awesome to meet you. I feel the very same about you. This is very exciting. So when Melinda said to me, okay, you're my person. Do you want to do this segment? Annie, of course I answered. That sounds, that sounds fun. fun. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. Well done. All right. So Karen asks, what do you know about God now that you didn't know before the launch of your New York Times bestseller? That sounds fun. Um, first of all, you and I both know Karen's a good friend because I ask that question to people all the time. What do you know about God now that you didn't know before? So what do I know about God that I didn't know before the launch? I mean, the thing that has been rolling in my brain, and you may know this, Julie, but for the last week, we had really bad snow in Nashville. And so I was trapped in Colorado with joy because I was at one of my favorite places, Lost Valley Ranch. But in that time when my schedule was changing and it was just the week after, um, it was literally just the week after the book launched and we found out the book had hit New York Times. I, I, my overarching feeling I've had about God lately and that I've been journaling about has been he orchestrates things. I mean, I put this verse up when my flight got canceled, like in her heart, a girl plans her course, but the Lord determines her step. <laughs> like I had a plan for this whole thing. And um, so I, I feel like I've learned again and again, uh, repeatedly in this last three or four weeks that God 
God orders our steps. Mm, that's beautiful. That's really beautiful. All right. Priscilla asks, what was the most rewarding and the most challenging in writing? That sounds fun. Oh, this all surprised you all. The most rewarding was finishing. Because anytime I, I identify as an Enneagram 7, my personality is, uh, let's have fun, let's work later. <laughs> and so that is that was really rewarding. The most challenging thing, there is a chapter about me having a puppy for a week. And that's still really a hard story for me and a really sad story for me. And so it's hard to write about that. And read the, I mean, I cried the whole chapter on the audiobook when I was reading it. And, and so that, that's probably the hardest part of the writing for me was writing that story. Yeah. Well, Annie, listen, thank you so much. And I just, I would be remiss if I didn't say that I just feel like we're friends. And this has been such a tough year for many, including myself. And it's just been so nice to have you, to listen to you, to spend time with you. Um, and I know I speak for countless thousands of others who feel like you've been a friend who's helped us through this year. So thank you. And this has been so much fun. I hope that one day I might meet you in my makeup chair. Thank you, guys. What a fun time with Annie F. Downs and Julie Pickett. Thanks, you two, for a great Making Space for Fun conversation. Well, now let's head on over to speak with our monthly contributor and leadership expert, Joe Saxton, on making space for soul care as we lead to ensure that we're leading from a good place, a healthy place. But before we do, if you haven't ordered our new See Here Love book, Always Know, a collection of brave stories and words from 50 contributors who have been guests on our show, now is your chance. From the host of See Here Love, Melinda Estabrooks and 50 of her guests and friends comes the book Always Know, full of stories of lives that are inspiring, wise, and life-changing. God hears you. He hears your prayers. He hears the longing for connection. He hears the cries of pain that you're experiencing, and He loves you deeply. This month, with your ministry gift of $25 or more, or when you become a new monthly donor, request your copy of Always Know. It is a collection of stories to help you today in the things that you're struggling with, the things that you are confronted with. And I know that these stories will encourage you. Call 1-800-265-3100 or visit seeherelove.com slash always know and request your copy. I'm so glad I'm back with Joe Saxton, author of Ready to Rise, which will show you how to own your voice, gather your community, and step into your influence, which I know many of us need to do. She's an author, speaker, podcast host, and leadership coach. Joe, welcome back to the show. It's great to have you with us. Good to be with you. Good to be with you. Now, this is perfect. I love this topic of making space. So we just heard from Annie talking about making space for fun. And we're going to be hearing from Emily talking about how to make space to make great and good decisions for your life. Mm -hmm. And you're here because we need to learn, Joe, how to make space for soul care as leaders. Yeah. And even thinking that, I'm like, hmm, I think I got convicted that maybe I don't do that as well. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> they're making space. So first of all, why should we make space for soul care to care for our soul as leaders or really anybody, I, I would say? Yeah, I mean, I would say anybody as well. I think because I think we are naturally in life, there are a number of expectations our culture seem to, can often expect of us. One, productivity, which actually can be a bit of an idol, like the idol of productivity. And then, but also the, um, how we take care of other people, you know, whether it's the output in terms of work or the output in terms of taking care of everybody else, those can be two of our biggest realities, whether we're leading people, whether we're leading organizations, all that sort of thing. And we cannot give out of an empty cup. But even that's an external value. The other reason why is because your soul matters. Mm. Your soul matters. So yes, about what you're doing for other people, but also as a created being made in the image of God, designed for, yes, representing him in the world, but also having a relationship with him. Soul care is an investment. It's an holistic investment in your relationship with God um, and in your entire being. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So how would we care for our soul? What are really practical things to sort of make space mm. and time and effort and mm. intentionality to actually make space for that kind of care? I think the first one is philosophical. I think the first, we have to, we have to break up with the notion that we are the savior of a situation. <laughs> I mean, we have to, we have to break up with perfectionism. We have to break up with overachievement. We have to stop these kind of these toxic relationships with these ideas mm-hmm. um, to say that unless I'm doing it, unless I'm there, it won't get done. Okay. And then practically speaking, um, I want to ask what things give life to your soul? You know, um, what, how's your relationship with God really doing? I, I, do, I do want to encourage us as well because some of the, I used to hear these things when my kids were young, like uh, when I have my kids are teenagers now, but when they were like preschoolers, like having a conversation about soul care would just make me feel frustrated because it's like, look, I've not slept for six months now. Don't tell me to get up in the middle of the night to pray. Don't tell me because I, that's a nap. That's a, I, I, I didn't go to bed to get up kind of thing. Right. So the other thing I would say for the rhythm of our soul care is to make it fit your actual life your life season, your life stage. I, I want to encourage people to explore practical things that are for the, to look at their actual life rather than try and pretend we're nuns and yeah. pretend we are hermits when actually we're working crazy hours. What does it look like to invite God into your everyday circumstances? I love I that. Those things are good to think of. You know, Joe Saxon, thank you so much. I mean, thank you for the the making space for soul care and just for what you're doing, your voice, for your leadership, your encouragement. We're really thankful for you. So thanks for being on the show again, and we'll see you soon. Well, thank you, Joe Saxton, for your very wise words and advice on how to choose to make space for soul care as you lead. Well, if you're like me, I sometimes have a hard time making decisions. I get overwhelmed with either too many choices or committing to just one. So I'm so very thankful that Emily P. Freeman, Wall Street Journal bestselling author and podcaster, sat down with me earlier this month to share how to make space for our soul to breathe so we can live life with God at a gentle pace and discern our next right thing, our next right decision in love. Here's my conversation with Emily.
Well, Emily, it is so great to have you here on See Here Love. Welcome to the show. What a joy to be here, Melinda. Thanks for having me. Oh, thanks so much. And I love that we're going to be talking about making space to make right decisions and to discern our next right thing in love. I love that. I That just resonates so strongly with me. Emily, so I'm so glad that you're here because I have a lot of questions for you. And especially around the area of making decisions. So when I was with my girlfriends the past couple of weeks, uh, they have questions for you. I have questions for you. So here are the top four. Are you ready about yes, making space for making good and healthy decisions? Okay, number one, when you're overwhelmed with too many choices and decisions, how do I pick just one? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm, yes. Right. Right. That's such a good question. And I think that we are conditioned to think that we can multitask with ease. And in fact, the truth is that we can only do one thing at a time. I know a lot of women are like, listen, let me tell you how many things I can do at a time. And and it's true. We can kind of, you know, but, but are we doing those things? Well, is the question, but really the truth is that we, we really, when we're doing a thing or thinking about a thing, or we are, even if we're doing things in rapid succession, very quickly, we are doing one thing at a time. And I think my encouragement to myself when I'm feeling that way is to give it a little bit of space between each of those things. And the practice for me of doing the next right thing has been life-changing because it's not to say that you have to choose one decision over another or that one is more important than another. It is just saying, okay, in this moment, whatever today is at this time of day, what's my next right thing right now? And sometimes that is go check the mail. And when you get back from the mail, then it's what is my next right thing now? And so when it comes to this big life decisions and the small decisions, really the path is what's my next right thing in this moment. And tomorrow the answer might be different, but I think that's helped me. Just that one question has helped me discern and decide um, for a myriad of different types of decisions. Yeah, no, I like that. The one thing, here's the big one. This is the fourth question that came up in my girlfriend conversations. I always regret and or second guess my decisions once I make them. (laughs) First of all, I can deeply relate with that. Okay. And second of all, I would say I have found a lot of relief and peace in remembering that, that yes, we focus on the decision and we want to make good decisions. We do. We want to make good, right, healthy, wise decisions. That's not just for us, but for our people. But when it comes down to it, the invitation, and this is, can be a lifelong learning, but the invitation is that your decision is really rarely about the decision. It's really about the person who you are becoming. And sometimes we have to step into things and make decisions for the sake of growth, for the sake of something we want to need to learn and maybe couldn't have learned it any other way. For some of us making a kind of a tricky or a bad quote unquote decision might be the best thing for us because if we can be reflective, which I'm a huge fan of reflection, I believe it's so important to look back before we move forward. And I think reflection is a, is a uh, active, it's not passive. Like we sometimes think, but the best indicator of future healthy, good decisions are decisions we've made in the past. And sometimes those are decisions that we weren't proud of or that we kind of messed up or that we just didn't know enough information yet. And so I think Adopting a posture where we are learning to be our own friend, to be kind to ourselves, to not say things to us that we wouldn't say to our best friend or our our sisters, Um, and just to take those decisions and say, you know what, now that I know more, 
I would have chosen differently, but I am becoming someone who pays attention to my life. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is a lovely next right thing is the person who you are becoming. I love that. So even if it wasn't the best decision or maybe the perfect right decision, I I feel in every decision, Emily, you can then turn them around and make them work for you or find the goodness or the humor in the decision, even if it wasn't the best. Emily, last thought. So, you know, we're, we're sitting here and there are viewers and listeners who are listening going, yes, yes, and yes. What would you say is the first step Uh, What's your encouragement to that young woman today? Well, I would say mainly, especially for those who might be, you know, if I say, do you have a decision you're struggling with right now? Almost everyone says, yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I I have one in mind right now. And they wish that they could be like, okay, I'd like to sit with you. And so you can help me figure this out. And that would be lovely. And I love doing that with people. But I think that my first encouragement would be, um, can you put that decision into one sentence? Sometimes that overwhelm comes because we are, we think we have a decision to make, but actually there's no action to be taken yet. It's just something that's stressing us out. And so until you can put your decision in one sentence, you don't have a decision to make because if you can't clearly state what the decision is, you will not be able to make a clear choice. And so that's really one really lovely next step. And it is a way of naming. That's kind of the the practice beneath that is um, of naming in specificity, uh, what matters? What is the decision? Um, because I will say that the, the overwhelm is a, is lacks the specificity and clarity comes when we can name it, put it in a sentence and then ask myself, okay, what is my next right thing? I might not get a full answer to this decision, but what is one next right thing I can do today that will move me closer to the answer that I'm looking for? Love it. Emily P. Freeman, author of The Next Right Thing. Here it is. Wonderful book. And I got to just do this and the journal to help us along. It was a pleasure having you on the show and also with your really good friend, um, Annie F. Downs. And what a show. Thank you so much for the very practical things uh, we can do. But also just a reminder, I love to be kind to ourselves, to take five minutes of silence Take some time for reflection that will that will help us in, in making space for making healthy and good decisions. So thank you so much for being with me today. My pleasure. Thank you. I am so thankful for Emily P. Freeman and her voice in the area of making space to make right decisions with peace, clarity, and a nudge in the right direction. Our conversation helped me a lot, and I can't wait to use her tools as I go forward in making decisions in my own life. Well, let's now go to Alyssa Esperaz, writer, speaker, and social justice advocate, as she shares from the good word on how to make space for God in our everyday life, deepening our relationship with Him. I've been thinking a lot lately about breath. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, the creation account tells us this. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. How often do you make space in your life for an awareness of this miracle? I truly believe that in our frantic, hurried, often breathless world, taking deep breaths is a powerful act of resistance. That literally making space in your chest is a powerful way to make space in your life for the good stuff. Love, peace, patience, gentleness, self-control. 
just to name a few. It's a way to worship the one who gave you breath, a way to center yourself on scripture. This has become an important practice for me lately in the mornings. I take a simple line of scripture and pair it with a few deep breaths. A current personal favorite are the first couple lines of Psalm 23. Try this with me. Take a deep breath in. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. What if we started each day by making space for deep breaths, for powerful declarations from scripture, for peace and joy and gentleness and love? How would it change the way we make space for the good stuff all the rest of our day? In the beginning, breath was a life-giving miracle. I invite you to continue having an awareness of that miracle here and now today and see just how life-giving and transformative and powerful it can be. While there's not much to say after a show filled with phenomenal women with so much good things to say about making space. And I hope you were encouraged today to choose to make space for fun, for soul care, for making right decisions and having a deep and honest relationship with Jesus. Well, for more resources, blogs, additional content on our show theme today, head on over to our website, seeherelove.com, and you'll find it all there. And as you choose to make space for good and healthy things in your life, know that you can do it, that you can choose to have more fun, take care of yourself, make good decisions, and lean in closer to Jesus. And that as you do, always know you are seen, heard, and deeply loved by God. See Here Love with Melinda Estabrooks is a production of Crossroads Christian Communications Incorporated, a member of the Canadian Council of Christian Charities. To support this program, please visit seeherelove.com and click the donate button or call 1-800-265-3100. And from me and the See Here Love team, thanks so much for your support.